You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. You're in the Broncos Audio Zone. I'm Andrew Mason. Thanks for joining me. First up is wide receiver Cortland Sutton, who joined Brandon Cristal and Justin Adams directly from the locker room Monday afternoon. Your first NFL loss. I know that you weren't used to it. It's now a day later. Uh, talking to folks that were in the locker room, they said that there certainly is in a sense of panic. Where is this team at coming back now here 24 hours after uh, the loss in Baltimore? I think you had it right. Um, there is no no panic. We know that um, we're a really good football team, and we know we have what the potential we have and, and uh, where we're trying to get to, and we know one loss isn't going to stop us from getting there. Uh, we got we just have to come back to work, watch the film, uh, correct the things that need to be corrected, and move on to the next week because we got a big big game on Monday against KC, a divisional game. Um, if we sit here and dwell on, on one loss, uh, over this long season, um, that's where you start seeing the, the losses start pop, start piling up, and we have a lot of really good vets on, uh, in this locker room who who help us understand that you know one loss isn't going to kill us. We just got to learn from it, learn from the mistakes, and move on so that we don't make the same mistake twice. Well, Cortland, I know you had a chance to look at the film. Still, the game is fresh in your mind. What are some things that you saw specifically that you uh, can improve on? Oh man, for myself, it's just you know working on the small details of, of playing the position of wide receiver. Um, I'm still still making sh- making strides every day to to fine tune the little the small the small things. There's always something that that I can work on um, in this position, uh, whether it's breaking points, whether it's uh, understanding the the defenses uh, even more than I already do. Just a, there, there's always something I can keep continue to improve on, especially playing this position. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that because I know that Baltimore, they were grabbing on you. You know, you had the, the cornerbacks doing all those different things. The difference between playing in the college game and in the pro game for you to be able to get open, what are some things that you, you have seen so far in three games of uh, your NFL experience? Being decisive. I think being decisive is, is one of the biggest things um, that I've been getting told a lot from E-Man DT and then also just watching the film, seeing it myself, just making really fast decisions and, and living with, with the decision I make. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of things that can happen in the in the mix of, of the four or five seconds that a play is, is active and you got to make a decision really, really fast because if you sit there and think, you know, you're taking two seconds away from the quarterback and next you know you're not in the same spot you need to be in for the quarterback. So uh, just making those those decisive decisions really quick um, so that, you know, you can play fast and playing fast can always help you um, in any situation. Broncos rookie wide receiver Cortland Sutton joining us. Sorry, I've got a one-month-old at home, so I'm uh, slightly fatigued, but looking back at your game, you remember I got to turn the mic on to talk. Uh, looking back at your game, like you, you mentioned, talking to DT, talking to Emmanuel, talking through things. You obviously have a couple big catches yesterday, but you had one that slipped right through your hands, and certainly mm-hmm. plenty was chronicled on Demarius last week. Then he has five balls thrown to him, catches all five. Is that something they talk to you yeah. about having a short memory? Oh, that's something that I've I've already had since college. Um, it's it's just like when you lose a game. If you have if, if you don't have a, a long hit, a long memory about things like that, then you're just gonna start seeing it happen more and more. You gotta have a really short memory on things like that. Uh, a one a one snap and clear is something I like to think of it as something that you know it happened once. Um, it happened. You can't do anything about it now. You gotta snap it and move on to the next play. If you sit there and just let it let it dwell on and beat you up, and that's when you start seeing people have multiple drops. You start seeing things happen uh, reoccurring that aren't positive uh, 
positive things. So you just got to make sure you just want to snap and clear and move on to the next play because the ball's going to find you another another time in the game, and you got to go make a play um, and not think about the one that you uh, dropped. And speaking of making a play, you had a big tackle on special teams. Were you expecting to play the same role in special teams or once Philip Lindsay uh, was ejected, then you had had to get out there a little bit more? Was that the plan for you to get down there and, and try and make some of those tackles? Oh, no, that, that was definitely the plan. Um, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure people saw I – did, I did some special teams in preseason, and, and I get a lot of reps in special teams. And Coach Tom always tells me to be ready um, for, my, for when my number's called. And so I, I worked my butt off on special teams. And like I've said, since I, I got here, you know, my role is my, – my job is to do whatever the coaches need me to do, whether it's offensively or special teams. I'm going to do what I got to do, and I'm going to give it my all. So um, it was good to be able to go out there and contribute special teams-wise um, from all the work that we put in um, in practice. Cortland, I'll leave you with this. Obviously, the offense scored only 14 points uh, in the last game, but you're going up against a juggernaut. Um, well, off- offensively so far, the Kansas City Chiefs. What can this team do offensively to be able to not only compete but get the W next week? I think we just come into the going into the week, knowing the game plan, executing game plan, because we we don't drop the plays. Uh, we just go out and, and execute them. So. Um, I think if we go out and we, we practice really, really hard and, and, and we take a, take advantage of, of all the reps that we get, whether it's a walk-through rep, whether it's a full-speed rep, we take advantage of all those reps and we know the game play inside and out and we go and execute it to a high level on Monday night. I think that we can put a lot of points on the board and, um, you know, we have weapons all over the place in this offense and, and everybody everyone's seen it and everyone knows it. And I think, like I said, we just go out and, and perform the way we know how to perform and execute how we need to execute. We'll be able to put a lot of points on the board. Well, Cortland, we're certainly hoping that's the case next week. It's never fun to chat after a loss. You always like talking after wins more, but appreciate you coming on and giving us a, a couple minutes. And, hey, next week it's your first uh, Monday night football game, so I know you got to be excited about that. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. thanks so oh, yeah, much for the time. We'll talk to you here yeah. soon. Well, Corley, wait a minute. Before we let you go, wait, wait, before we let you go, look, it's Monday Night Football. You got a celebration in mind, man? I mean, if you score Monday night, <laughs> what you got, man? The whole world's oh, watching. Oh, man. I think y'all just got to see when it happens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, well, we will definitely be watching. Cortland, really appreciate it. We'll talk to you here soon. Thank y'all. Good stuff, as always, from Sutton, who you heard from last week on Horsing Around. Next, Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater, and I talk with friend of the program, Arnie Stapleton of the Associated Press, about the Broncos' loss to Baltimore, what it means, and what's next. Arnie, how big of a factor do you think uh, not having Philip Lindsay available with him getting kicked out of the game, how big of a factor do you think it was not having him there that uh, we weren't able to get going offensively? I think that had a lot to do with it. You know, I mean, I know he's a rookie, but look, I mean, if you look at the first two games, without him, they're 0-2. And so, you know, he was by far their best offensive player in the first two weeks. So to lose that dynamic, I thought was huge. Now, I know that, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, Rolls-Royce did, did fine. I, you know, there was, you know, they didn't just hang their heads in, in Crater, but not having him as an option was a, was a big, big deal. Um, so, you know, that was, you know, whether he was trying to strip the ball out and it was uh, mistaken as punching or, or what, you know, the, point of fact is he cost them dearly by doing that um you know there was a, there was a couple you know we've been singing the praises for the rookies so far i think we got to look to you know yadam had a uh, personal foul when he wasn't even in the game you know and then you and then your rookie running back uh, gets tossed because he's throwing punches in the pile i mean that goes back to the undiscipline that 
that I always say goes back to the coaching staff because either you're coaching it or that way or you're letting them get away with it that way. Either way, it's, it, you don't have control of the team. So this is, uh, this is a case where it's not, not only the players got to look themselves in the mirror this morning, the coaching staff has to and say, you know what, it's, we're partially to blame here for these 13 penalties and those ejections and, you know, everything else. Chatting with Arnie Stapleton from Associated Press here on First and Ten at Ten, Orange and Blue, seven sixty. What has you concerned the most, the secondary or the offensive line after this performance against the Ravens? Well, I think the secondary is the bigger issue. You know, I mean, you could see this coming. You could see this coming. You know, back in August when you know it's like you know there's going to have trouble at the third cornerback. You know, Tremaine Brock is an older player. Adam Jones is an older player, and guess what? They both have lower body injuries. That's what happens to guys that are, A, brand new to altitude, and B, older. You know, they're, they're not, uh, you know, did, did they not stretch properly? I don't want to get into all that, but the point of fact is we've seen it happen around here a lot. The guys come to altitude and they get uh, dehydrated and, and they end up pulling muscles and thighs and hamstrings and groins and you know, this is not surprising. So they, they've got an issue. I said in last week, they're, you know, you know, they're fine. I think with with Bradley uh, and and Chris, especially Chris. Um, you know, Bradley's a little bit. I think, you know, he he was obviously better when he had Chris and and Akeem Talib on the field with him. Now he's he's playing more within a system, uh, and and he's not able to really make the you know those chance take those chances where he can make a great big play. Uh, you know he has to kind of play within within the system a little bit. At any rate, they're fine. It's their it's the backups that are either too young or too old right now, and that's a major major problem. I think on the offensive line you can clean things up. I don't think it's a matter of you know you have the wrong personnel uh, in there um, right now. With the secondary, you know they need to bolster that that secondary. And you know if I'm John Elway, I'm looking. Uh, you know, maybe not even wait for the trade deadline, but looking to get something done here to bring in a, a younger, you know, third quarterback. If they can't bolster that secondary in the next uh, eight days before the Chiefs come in, what is Kansas City going to do with this defense? <laughs> you know, I think this. Uh, I think what we've seen Patrick Mahomes do so far would just be an appetizer. Um, you know the. You know they're giving up a lot of points too. You know, so you know they're they're scoring like 39 and giving up 32 or something, right? So that, so they're giving up a lot of points. But you got to ask yourself, you know, is this team uh, ready and able to win a shootout right now? And and I would think, gosh, looking at yesterday, no. Um, but you know they can get it together. And, and if they're not able to bolster that secondary, you know, it's going to be hard to hide that uh, to hide that flaw. Uh, against uh, Kansas City's offense. Um, and then you have to kind of hope that, well, you know, can we muck it up enough to stay in it and try to and try to win in a shootout? And, and again, you know, Case is not playing like Case Keenum of last year. He's playing like the Case Keenum, uh, you know, who was just coming into the league and was making a lot of rookie mistakes. Um, you know, again, he's making bad decisions in the red zone. The, the turnovers are just killing him. And, you know, those are just uh, punches to the gut. Um so, you know, can they get it all together in eight days? Uh, sure they can. Uh, they can wash this one off. But there's a lot of looking in the mirror today on both sides of the ball uh, and, and on special teams, I think, to, 
you know, for that to happen, they got to really, uh, and coaching staff as well, coaching staff and players have to look and say, okay, we, we let a golden opportunity slip away with a undisciplined play. And, and, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to staunch this. Now that's one thing they couldn't do last year. Remember they, they fell into that funk and they couldn't stop it for two months. Uh, that's always mm-hmm. the, the, um, I think the measure of a good coaching staff, uh, Remember Josh McDaniels couldn't couldn't do it when he was here. His first year they started off six and zero gangbusters, and then one loss turned into four, two times. You know, and they just couldn't get over that. But can this staff get over it? We'll see. This is going to be a huge, huge test. I don't care who's coming in Monday night. You know, it's a huge test to see have they made the break from last year. I know they want to say they did, like like fans said last year, but did they? And and the way you show that is you come out on Monday night. I don't care who you're playing against and you put together a good game and you win that game. And then you can say, okay, yeah, you know, last year's buried and gone. And, and, you know, we're on to, you know, talk to over. So Arnie, um, Case Keenum, he certainly hasn't played as well as he did in Minnesota last, last year. However, he has, you know, uh, led us to two victories. And this, this last one, certainly, um, you know, this game against the Baltimore Ravens wasn't pretty. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people felt like he needs to play, feels like he needs to play much better football in order for us to, to win and have a successful season. Why do you think he's struggling at this point? Do you think he's putting too much pressure on himself, or do you think that this is just who he is? Um, you know, me personally, I, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of pressure with coming to a new team, getting a new contract, getting settled in. Um, and I think that he hasn't really scratched the surface of what he can do. Uh, and certainly, I said last week, he's got to play much better for us to win. He can't continue to play like this uh, and, you know, squeak by with these games because, you know, uh, he's like playing Russian roulette, I think. So, but what, what, do you, right. what do you think the reason is for, for him struggling thus far? Yeah, Steve, I think you're right. I think there's, you know, there's the newness to it all. I mean, Heck, even Peyton Manning came here and struggled that first uh, first month or so, and really for the whole season. Remember, he said he felt like he was always going into the visitors' locker room. I'm sure Case feels the same way. Now, Case has been a journeyman, you know, more so than Peyton was. Obviously, you know, Peyton was entrenched, um, but you know, Case, um, he's got a new team, and, and you're right, he's coming into a situation where he's he's finally making big bucks. He's finally seen as the as the guy, um, and, and that takes, you know, that's that's two levels of, of uh, things you have to get adjusted to in addition to learning, you know, your way around a new team, a new coaching staff, and new offense, new teammates, heck, new city. You know, there's, there's all these things that are piled up, right. and it can, you know, I think that that's part of it. And I think he'll settle in. I think, I think he can settle in quickly. Uh, again, I've said all along, I think, I think he needs to realize, like, okay, you know what, this, this offense can be every bit as good as Minnesota's was last year. And, and he stepped in in Minnesota, and he just had to take over a ship that was already, you know, barreling through the waters. I think he needs to kind of realize, like, I don't have, to, I don't have. To, it's not all or nothing on my shoulders, you know. If the play's right. not there, I don't have to force it. Force it. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just all the time. But it, but it's on certain moments in the game, you know, if he can just correct those four or five uh, decisions, you know, and clean it up, then then you know he'll start to I think get into a comfort zone. Um, it, it's hard to do. It's hard to do when you're you're new somewhere, and uh, you know everything is new. It's uh, I mean, uh, look you know just look at us. You know you get a new laptop or something, and 
the keys are just a little bit off and 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 your habit is to keep hitting the wrong key and you're like my gosh i'm i'm slowing down here and it takes you a little while to learn the new keyboard or to learn the new iphone or something and so you just times that by a thousand with a quarterback you know coming in and 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 leading the franchise and leading the city and leading the team and all that i think sometimes it just gets overwhelming and if he can just kind of slow it down a little bit for himself coaches can help him do that his teammates can help him do that but um so I think that he can turn it around quickly. He's shown that that, that he has the uh, the skill set and everything else to do that. Um, it's a matter of you know how long is that going to take, and and do they fall? You know, do they slip up more times un- until that happens? Last question for me, Artie Stapleton from Associated Press, joining us here on the hotline, first and ten and ten, orange and blue, seven sixty. A question is going to come up all throughout the week, and you've you've been kind of alluding it to to it here. Uh, with some of these answers, but uh, as uh, somebody posed on Twitter, do the Broncos have enough firepower to hang with the Chiefs? And that that feels like a, a legitimate question right now, that even if the Broncos play a good game, maybe not great, but a good game against the Chiefs, can they hang with them? What do you think? I think they do have the firepower now. You know, uh, you know, the, we want to we want to bury 2017 and but I will say, you know, last year you, you knew that the offense didn't have the firepower. I mean, they had nothing behind the starting wide receivers, you know. And this this year you go and you say, well, you know what, if if it's Deshaun coming in, if it's Cortland coming in, if it's Tim Patrick coming in, they have somebody there. You know, they, they finally have, again, a tight end, you know, or two. They finally have some guys that can that can work the middle of the field and, and gain chunks of yards. Um, they have a dynamic running game. Um, if they can keep uh, Philip Lindsay in the in the game, uh, then they're even better, you know. But they've got uh, they've got I think the pieces to put it together and to really I think Corlin's going to blow up on somebody. It would be nice if he blew up on the Chiefs, right? I mean, I think uh, I think he's got like you know a hundred yard game in him, a couple touchdown game in him, um, you know, coming up here pretty quickly. Uh, and and you know, Demarius got you know kind of got over the yips yesterday and 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 had a pretty good game for you know no drops and, and he looked pretty good so i think that um i think they do have the, the firepower to hang with the chiefs now the question becomes uh, you know are, are they going to be disciplined are they going to be coached coached up right and 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 is uh billy musgrave going to call the good plays to you know against uh kansas city you always have to have something up your sleeve because you know andy Reid is going to you, know, you got to kind of counter punch for punch and, and get into one of those slogs of a game. Because um, if you don't, you'll fall behind like these other teams have, and then it's, you know, you're playing catch-up the, the whole time, and you know, they could run away with it. So, Looking ahead to next Monday, if the Broncos can't rebound and they fall to 2-2, two and two, uh, what is the outlook for this team beyond that? Yeah, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's still early. I always say, you know, everybody always makes too much of September – in this case, we'll count October one as part of September. You know, I think that it's uh, it's important to kind of realize it's a long season and, and and to put that first quarter away and say, you know, okay, like I mean, look at the Broncos last year, three and one. It didn't matter. Um, sometimes you see a team start off slow and then they get it together. Um, but I will say, you know, that even Vance Joseph said, you know, three out of four at home early on, we have to start off strong. That means three wins. You know, that means getting off to a good start. Two and two is going to be um, going to be a disappointment if that happens, so, you know. Um, but you know, it's still it, it's not it's not like they've 
you know, stumbled out to an 0-3 start and, and it's panic time. I mean, if even if they lose to Kansas City, yeah, they'll be two games back. But you know what? San Diego, uh, the Chargers in L.A., and, um, you know, the, the Raiders, um, you know, they'd like to be, you know, where the Broncos are and, and you know, a chance to get to 3-1 and, and, and be tied atop the division with the Chiefs right now. So um, it, not all will be lost, but it will certainly – I think it'll certainly take some air out of the balloon here in Denver if, if that happens because, you know, let's face it, the first two victories, you know, we're not to the point that you can judge the quality of a win around here, but the first two victories, even even case Keenum said, didn't feel like victories. And certainly yesterday didn't feel good at all. So if they lose to, if they lose to uh, the Chiefs, now you're looking like, okay, uh, we're not feeling good about ourselves right now. No doubt. Hey, thank you so much for the time, Arnie. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Arnie. Appreciate it, man. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Finally, it's time for NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who joined Andy Lindahl and Tyler Palumbus on Monday morning for his weekly look around the NFL. A lot of fans here in Denver grousing about the officiating, in particular because of a block in the back call that wiped out the touchdown return uh, after the blocked field goal uh, of Chris Harris. I know the fans in Green Bay aren't happy. Uh, I think there's fans in a lot of places that aren't happy. What would you make of the officiating here in week three? Well, I think there's a couple different, or at least two different issues. You, know, you have one where, let's just say there, there are missed calls. And I'm not sure that the Harris one was a miss, um, but I know that you know there's certainly more than enough griping to go around in officials, in which sometimes they, sometimes they do miss calls, or sometimes they take it to the complete letter of the law where – not everybody would, would do that. I mean, there was one in the 49ers-Lions game last week where it was an away-from-the-ball holding penalty that literally flipped the result of the game. Uh, it was a defensive hold away from the ball. The Lions were going to win, and then they didn't win. Uh, so there's that issue. Then there's the other issue, which I think has probably gotten more of our attention, and that is the officials harping on protecting the quarterback and, you know, it has led to several Clay Matthews fines and probably another one, uh, this time for landing on the quarterback with all of his weight. And it's been an emphasis. Players are upset. But, you know, the other part of it is people are more upset when quarterbacks don't play. I mean, you know, there have been times when we've had more than half the quarterbacks in the league go down because of injuries. If this league can help these guys stay upright, to me, that's worth it. Ian, what is going on as far as uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers? I know you were tweeting about it yesterday, the curious case of what they may do. Of course, they play tonight. Uh, there's the Le'Veon Bell situation. Frankly, there was the weird work week of Antonio Brown last week. Do you think yep. the Steelers ultimately listened to offers for Le'Veon Bell? And, and ultimately, do you see things getting worse or better with Antonio Brown? That feels like a bad locker room right now. Yeah, see, I'm trying to figure out now, is it a bad locker room or is it literally like it is every year? Because, you know, if you think about it, we go through these things a lot where, you know, A.B. will say something kind of crazy or do something on the sideline and everyone kind of debates it. And, you know, usually Le'Veon Bell is, you know, there and in the mix. This time he's staying away, I think, much to the surprise of, of everyone. And, um, you know, that sort of contributes to it. Plus, then you have him on social media and he's, you know, talking about the rap album he's selling, he's hosting parties, he's jet skiing. You know, all of these things are kind of um, going on while they're not winning games. Um, but I, I would say I'm just not quite sure I'm ready to go 
and say they have a bad locker room because they do seem to withstand all these things better than a lot of teams, in part because I think they're used to it. So do you think they actually, you, you had tweeted out earlier that they, they normally shoot down right away, or at least last year shot down right away thoughts of maybe trading Le'Veon Bell. Do you feel like they're paying a little more attention to the offers this year, or do you think he ultimately does come in? I think they're paying, they're, they're certainly listening to offers. Um, I'm not saying they want to trade him. I think best scenario for them would be that he shows up, plays for them, plays great, and they continue to win or I guess in this case, start to win. Um, but they are listening, and you know it's a hard deal to do, in part because let's say Le'Veon Bell shows up, plays great, Steelers go to the playoffs, and then he leaves as a free agent. They're going to get a third-round compensatory pick back. So if they trade him now, they're going to have to get at least a third-rounder, probably a second-rounder. They're going to have to get at least a pick better. So that's kind of because, you know, because they wouldn't have them. Um, so that's kind of where it comes from. You know, do you have a team that's willing to take on more than $10 million of salary and a high pick for a player you may not sign after the year? That's kind of where, um, that's kind of where all this is going. Well, our, our local insider here for the Broncos, Mike Kliss, is writing that John Elway admitted after the game yesterday he's certainly open to looking into the cornerback marker and market and maybe even trading if he needs to. But, Ian, I feel like corners are kind of like pitching this time of year. If you've got yeah. one, you're probably not giving them up. I mean, who might be available in any form or fashion for acquisition via free agent or trade in the corner market? Is there anybody left? You know, it's, it's hard to really – find one um i mean there are there are some guys um you know who theoretically you could trade for um but first of all if a team is willing to trade for them do you really want them you know like there's not a lot of guys who are good who are available i mean you know there's not a lot of let's say a keep to leaves out there you know i mean he was a guy who had a high salary but still could really ball who made a lot of sense for the Rams to trade for those guys are not really around um, you know, maybe you have a situation. I mean, I, here, here's like a one kind of player, like Eric Rowe from the Patriots would be theoretically one type of player if he was healthy. He's in the last year of his deal. He, they got a lot of young guys. He's kind of a starter, but he's not really a standout. And the Patriots probably are not going to resign. That would be one example of a guy. Um, but, you know, probably would be a better option was to go sign someone off someone's practice squad. Um, it's just hard to find really good players this time of year on other teams. And I can't remember if we asked you about this last week, and we'll wrap it up on this, but do you have any insight of what's going on with Brashad Breeland? The guy seems to take a lot of trips and not get any offers, or is he just asking for too much money? No, it's it's not that. I mean, he is asking for real money, so uh, like I don't want to pretend that he's asking for the minimum, but here's my understanding. He, you know, He's visited a lot of teams. He was a top corner in – free agency he has he had a, an issue with his foot basically a cut but they had to do a bone graft so there's not our skin graft so there's not a lot of skin graft experts around and teams have been trying to figure out like when's he actually going to be able to play my understanding is he's not ready to play just yet um because this is a real issue and you know i've had people tell me they think he plays this year but no one has said yeah he's definitely playing this year it's still kind of a work in progress where you have to figure out where he's at and how healthy is he. So let's say the Broncos were interested in signing him. 
They'd have to go to a skin graft expert and be like, what do you think? When can he actually be ready? The fact that he hasn't signed yet indicates that he's not ready yet. Thanks for joining us, and if you have not subscribed to the Broncos Audio Zone, please do so on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or whatever podcast delivery you prefer. You'll get commentary, exclusive interviews, and more from the UC Health Training Center throughout each week. I'm Andrew Mason. Talk to you next time.